What is up, guys? I am back for my uh, third podcast. It's probably going to be my last podcast of this uh, short series or whatever you'd like to call what I'm doing for my advertising class, um, dealing with mental strength. Um, and It's called Mental Tennis. You know it by now. We are on Spotify. We are on Anchor FM. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. We're on Google's podcast, the Google Play or whatever it's called for those Android users out there. Um, thank you for listening if you're on Android, but honestly, it's it's 2019. It's really time to get on an iPhone grind, you know. But uh, speaking of that, today we are going to uh, phone a friend and have a call in and talk a little bit about some different sports besides tennis and mental strength during them. Um, one in particular is uh, boxing, because this person that we are calling knows a lot about boxing. Um, many of you who know me might already know who I'm talking about. Um, very big boxing fan, but today we're going to be talking about the Oliver McCall versus the Knox Lewis uh World Heavyweight Championship of 1997, uh, the breakdown between Oliver McCall, and uh, this guy knows a lot about fighting in general. I asked him a little earlier today if he knew about this in particular. He said, I said, you know about Oliver McCall's breakdown? He said, I know a lot about it. So that's him texting there. I will give him a call right now, and yeah, let's let's hear from him, huh? Let's see here. We want to. What is up, Patrick? Hey, buddy. You are live on the podcast. Oh, I'm live. We're live. Not really live, but we're recording. So uh, I gave a little introduction about it so far. Um, I was going to FaceTime audio you, but I couldn't figure that out. So we're FaceTiming just regular. Pat is actually at work right now, too. So uh, if he has to go, it's because he's serving delightful customers at the Beer Jug in Glendive. So, uh, Pat, first off, thank you for being here with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Of course, of course. You Have you listened to any of the Mental Tennis podcasts yet? Listen to the first one. The first one? Yeah. That's what that's what the that's my most popular one so far. But hopefully this third one gets gets out there a little bit, gets my viewers out. But anyways, to the main point, um the Oliver McCall and is it Lenox? Lennox. Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis, yep. And the nineteen ninety seven heavyweight championship. Yep. For the WBC belt, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, it does. Title with like this alphabet titles with the WBC, the WBA, IBF, and the WBO. W WBC is kind of the the most uh, most prestigious. Desired, I guess. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really weird fight because first of all, that was a rematch 
and I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, it was the second fight, right? Yep. Between the two. The first match, Oliver McCall knocked Lennox Lewis out cold. Cold cock. Early? Uh, gosh, it probably, I think it was an earlier round knockout. Both of Lennox Lewis's losses, I think, came within the first half of the fight. Gotcha. They're both knockout losses as well. But, um, it was a really strange fight. There's a lot of things that led up to that fight that will kind of make more sense, I guess, because, first of all, Alden McCall was a super, super, super tough guy. Like, he had a super good chin. Like, he could take a punch, and he could deliver a punch. And he had some pretty good skill. I mean, obviously, he knocked out Lennox Lewis, who, at the time, he knocked him out. He was the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world, and as an amateur, he was an Olympic gold medalist. So, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and even if he McCall, just... McCall was a... Uh, Sparring partner for Mike Tyson when Mike Tyson was in his prime from 1985-1990. And he was one of the very few fighters that Mike Tyson ever sparred with that could actually take it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. He could actually spar with him. Yeah, and not just have to tap out right away. He was camp or not have, yeah. I think he was just, <laughs> he was in it from the very first spar to the last spar of the camp that Tyson would have been in for his title fights and stuff. Like, he was a tough cat. <clears throat> Part of the problem with that is that, first of all, when you're taking punches to the head and body from Mike freaking Tyson for two months, <laughs> three months, for years on end, when the guy's in his prime, yeah, that's going to lead to problems later and later on down the road in your career to begin with. Just that alone. Yeah, Not for sure. Oliver McCall, who was a okay. Let me just break down Oliver McCall from the start to that fight because it'll make a lot more sense on why he did what he did. Yeah, yeah. So, he was fighting out of a gym called Kronk Gym. Oh, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. Wait, hold up. Let's give, so, like, the reason, like, I picked this fight is because I, like, read a, I read a blog about, like, spectacular meltdowns in sports history. And it was, like, one of the top four. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. So, like, for the, for the listeners out there, basically how this goes, they're fighting for the WBC title. Yep. And... Late in the third round, McCall just starts acting weird. Crying, pretty much. Yeah, he starts crying. crying he starts. He's not even protect. And then he goes. They go to their corners at the end of the third round. He doesn't go to his corner. He just kind of stands around. Walks around the ring. Yeah, he walks around the ring the whole time. In the fourth round, he's doing more of the same stuff, crying more. Does not protect his head at all. No. And like. He literally walks. He, no hands down his waist. He's and he doesn't even like. Instinctively try and dodge oh, blows to his head. It's super weird. But yeah. then, then the eventually, and then the fourth round ends, and the the uh, ref goes to his corner and is like, "Do you want to fight? Like you're not acting like you want to fight. Do you want to continue fighting?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I want to fight." And then they call it off in the beginning of the fifth round because he's just doing more of the same stuff, and literally he could. Right. He could literally die by a blow. Oh yeah, especially that, like, from Lewis. He's one of the best ever. He's huge. He make, you can make the argument that he is the best heavyweight of all time. And even if you like, just look at the guy, him. you know, like I'm not a boxing he's fan. He's he's got a huge traps. He, this dude is yeah. literally like one of the scariest fighters he's, you yeah, could probably ever see. Yeah, and he's fast. Like he's not just a big boy. He can. He is fast. He's yeah. Very fast. His hand speed was. 
probably his most impressive part of him because every heavyweight's big and strong. Right. But he had he had some fast hands and he had some really good defensive footwork as well. Um. But anyway, so McCall he fought with a guy. He's widely regarded as the best trainer ever. His name is Emmanuel Stewart. And he had a gym called Cronk Gym in Detroit. Okay. And he had all kinds of all kinds of champions. And when McCall started training with uh, Stewart, he had a really good career. He won the title off of Lewis. Um, beat a bunch of really good guys. And then uh, all of a sudden, McCall, while he, when he became champion, when he beat Lennox Lewis the first time, mm-hmm. Um, he fell into the same pit, if you will, that very many champions that, you know, win like that, that win an upset and just kind of go from obscurity to a world superstar yeah. with, one, with one punch. He fell into a huge, uh, he was uh, addicted to drugs, alcohol and such, had mental health issues. And during that time, his trainer left him or something, you know, there was a falling out with Emmanuel Stewart, uh-huh. who made, who, not made, he don't make a fighter on your own, like, he, but he was a very big contributor to McCall's success. Like, McCall wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him. Right. He would be relevant, but he, he wouldn't would just be. be. He'd be a gym guy. He'd be the guy that Mike Tyson would spar. Gotcha. You know? Yep. Um, so, like I said, man, Emmanuel Stewart was, like I said, one of the best trainers ever. Whose quarter does he go in? Lewis. Lennox Lewis. Lewis. After Lennox's first loss, I believe, he started training both those guys. But And then McCall and him had a falling out. So while this all happened, McCall had a breakdown. He was, he was you know, done, mm-hmm. had problems, all that. You know, like he, he literally thought that everyone hated him and was turning on him and he had all these problems. And it's because... A lot of those because his, his whole corner left him, and he didn't have anyone in his corner. Yeah. So he had to get all new trainers and all that. He had to get a brand new corner, and then he had he lost the title to Frank Bruno, and then he had regained a title shot against Lennox Lewis because Lennox Lewis beat Frank Bruno as well, or he beat Frank Bruno rather. I'm sorry. Okay. He regained the title, and then he wanted to rematch Oliver McCall because he was the only person who had beaten Lennox Lewis at the time. So. McCall beat Lewis. Yep. McCall lost to, to Frank Bruno. To Bruno, and then Lewis came around and beat Bruno. Yes. Okay. And then they then they had the rematch. And then they rematched. Gotcha. And, uh, so Emmanuel Stewart is in the champion Lennox Lewis's corner. Mm-hmm. Oliver McCall has some. I don't know how long he had been working with these particular guys, but he had been working with them for some time at least. But. It wasn't Emmanuel Stewart, you know. I mean, Emmanuel right. Stewart trained the, some of the best fighters of all time. <laughs> he, he was a really good trainer. Yeah. Especially with heavyweights. Because his, he trained Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko, and those are two top five heavyweights of all time. Um, so McCall's already felt betrayed. Um, and the thing is about fighting, like, no one knows the fighter better than the fighter. And he probably knew he wasn't physically ready. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he wasn't mentally ready. And when you're fighting a guy like Lennox Lewis, it's very, very easy to combust and break down like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you start adding punches and, and the lifestyle and all that that he lived. It doesn't, it's not as uh, outrageous 
as it as it seems as it looks on the surface. Yeah, got you. He was a very disturbed guy, and he had a lot of problems leading up to that fight. You know, because he had a so-so career after that. Uh huh. But here, I'll be right back, Jory. All right. So I think Pat has to go uh, do some go do some work at the beer jug right now. But uh so basically yeah, Patrick kind of gives us a breakdown right there of what exactly uh McCall was really going through that led up to the fight and a lot of the times when people have breakdowns, it is not just that certain thing that really it, it's that cer- something certain like pushes them over the edge, but there's such a buildup of other stuff, a snowball effect of this happening, that happening. You think about everything that it really comes down to before it all just come kind of comes tumbling down. And uh, one other, one of the other top four biggest meltdowns of all time was actually a tennis one between Martina Hingis and. Uh, Steffi Graf. Steffi Graf was actually married to um, Andre Agassi. So Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf, two giant tennis names. Uh, actually, Andre Agassi's book, Open, I have it sitting next to me. Great book uh, if you go check it out. But uh, Yo, Pat, what's up? Pat is back. So we'll talk about the little tennis one after we get done talking more about the boxing. So back to the boxing one. Pat, would you say it's like like a huge, like a buildup of everything in terms of any mental breakdown in any sport? It's kind of just, it's never yeah. just one thing usually. If it's, if it's, it doesn't necessarily stem from one particular thing. One thing can kind of set the ball or make the ball start rolling and snowballing, I guess. Um, you know, in his case, it was probably his corner leaving him, and also his uh, rise to stardom was also the same reason why he broke down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like the thing about guys like Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson and Holyfield and all those really good fighters, Mayweather, all those guys, yeah, they were expected to do what they did. They were Olympic fighters. Everyone knew who they were in terms of boxing casual fans and such. Mm-hmm. Like only a very ham- few, 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 few uh, fight fans knew who Oliver McCall was before that Lennox Lewis fight. Um. All right, go ahead. We're back. Okay, live. so um, you know when he just when you factor in his addiction, his uh, he never he was always kind of a different guy. Just a, strange not very personable personality okay which yeah makes sense if you're a prize fighter yeah um especially kind of an underground type fighter like him and not the guy who was the olympic hole he was not an olympic level guy you know what i mean he just wasn't the spotlight guy <laughs> he was a fighter mm-hmm. and um you know that punch i mean you get hit in the head by freaking heavyweights man you're something's gonna give yeah it's... something's gonna give especially when you fight the style he fought which was I'm going to take two of your best punches and land my best shot. Take two to land one. Dude, and you think know? about it. Like, people in, like, the NFL and stuff, like, they get CTE and stuff from, like, huge hits from helmets and stuff. But Yeah, that's you know, the same thing. Hits from, I feel, well, I feel like you take more hits being a heavyweight 
And oh, you take more hits being a boxer for sure. Probably harder ones too, most of the time. Boxing is probably the most dangerous sport in the world, more so than MMA, and I'll tell you why. Because in MMA, if you're getting punched in the head too much, what are you going to do? You kick the guy, yeah, you know, kick his leg, kick his body. And they usually down, they usually around. call out MMA fights, or they call them quicker than boxing ones if a guy's getting hit in the head. What's that? They usually call them faster. The referees call an MMA uh, fight yeah. faster I mean, if you're getting hit in the head. In MMA, you get knocked down. That guy's gonna hit. if you're knocked out, you might take a hit when you're knocked out. But generally speaking, when you're knocked down in an MMA fight, that ref's right there, ready to stop it. Yeah. Because boxing, man. Your brain can do crazy stuff in 10 seconds, especially when there's millions on the line or your dreams on the line. You know what I mean? When there's yeah. someone riding on that front of fight, your brain can make your body do crazy stuff. And the adrenaline and all that. So you get up, yeah, you beat that 10 count, you're moving around and you're hitting and all that. But once that adrenaline wears off, all of a sudden you're slurring your words, you're not moving, you're shaking, you have headaches, you're sensitive to light. <coughs> you, don't, you don't see that in MMA. Because those guys are not only do they not have actual like I mean boxing gloves are pretty much pillows in your hand. I mean if you get hit hard enough you go out obviously. Yeah. But boxing the gloves are for protection of your hands, not for not your face. Your Does that makes sense. Yeah, like they don't actually help your face. No, they, they just want protect your, your knuckles. So the point of gloves is so you can deliver more punishment to your opponent's head, to the you can inflict. More brain damage to your opponent. That is the idea of boxing gloves. Yeah, like bare knuckle boxing is less dangerous than actual boxing. Um, trauma wise, yeah, but I mean you're still getting cut up. And listen, man, you get it can get you can get kicked, punched in the head one time. Even MMA, you can get head thrown on the ground too. Yeah, yeah. Brain bleeding, so you can die. I mean, that, that there's been three boxers who died in I don't know two, three, four months or whatever it's been, just from and they all got knocked out. They got knocked out. They didn't wake up. But yeah, you, boxing, it's literally, you're pounding the other guy's head and body in until they can't fight anymore, until their body and their brain say no more. And that's their job. Like, their job is to fight, and then they have to make their body and brain make a decision to no longer fight. That's what's pretty barbaric about that sport. It Yeah, it's really like, it's, it's OG, kind of, you know? Yeah, like, it's pretty much the first sport. Yeah. <laughs> Prize fighting is the very first sport. When yeah. You, when you go back, yeah, it's 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 gladiator type stuff because you're you're gonna like you never come out the same at the end. Uh-huh. Like look at look at Muhammad Ali. The guy had sixty one pro fights, won fifty six of them. Okay. He is the peak example of eventually something will give if you take punches to the head. Like, he got hit in the head who knows how many times for, a, like, you know, and yeah, you got you get hit a lot in your in your fight, but think about the training, you know, you're sparring, you're doing this, you're doing this every day for months on end for a fight. Yeah. So stuff like that's going to lead you to just snap, and that's what happened to Oliver McCall, and it all caught up to him in the ring because, you know, that's when all the BS goes away, you know, and when that bell rings... The only way out is either getting knocked out, knocking the other guy out, winning the fight, losing the fight, or, you know, leave the ring, I guess. But to win or lose the fight, you know, it's it's a lot hard. It's such a long time. It probably feels, and especially in that situation, it probably feels like an eternity inside that ring if you don't want to be there. That was the longest night of his life. Uh-huh. You know, you're, you're in, 
when you're not prepared to fight the best fighter of the gener like he was the best fighter in that generation, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a, Lennox Lewis was a tank. He was a killer, man. He hit so hard. He knocked out Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Mike Tyson avoided Lennox Lewis. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Okay, that that gives you a perspective on how good Lennox Lewis is. So for it, it just that's gonna make. Like, if that were me or you in that ring, we would have broke down in the freaking dressing room. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it, it's just crazy to think about, um, oh we gotta edit that, dude. What? Nothing. But yeah, McCall just, he broke down because he had, there's a lot more to it than just him being scared in the ring. He probably wasn't even scared of Lewis. It, no, it, it had to be something. It's, it was, it was outside of fighting. He was so freaked you know? out, and he was so he felt so like alone and betrayed, and hurt. You could even tell that, like, like watching the video. Like, obviously, I don't have much any boxing like knowledge at all, and I like watched the YouTube video and everything. And you can tell, like, the people in his corner are so lost. Like yeah, they have, they n- yeah, they have like no idea. But you would think. And it makes sense now that they hadn't been in this corner for, like, very long. Because right. if they had been, they would probably, like, you know... Well, they would have stopped the fight right away. They would have stopped the fight in the first round. They would have understood him a lot better. Yeah, there was a lot of... And about that, you know, Mills Lane was the referee in that fight. The mm-hmm. little ball dude, you know? Yeah. He's one of the best refs of all time. He's a great ref. But that was a bad fight for him. He should have stopped that fight. Yeah, like in the third the round. His job is to protect the fighter. Or the fourth. He was not protecting himself. Yeah. He should have stopped the fight the first round. At least he stopped it before he got knocked out. Yeah, but I don't even know if he would have. Oliver McCall could take a punch. Just yeah. about as good as any heavyweight. And uh, Lewis I'll really be... didn't have to do anything besides throw two punches in a round to win the round, you know? He'd walk, yeah, he'd just walk. He'd, I, Lewis was probably just as scared, or, you know, he was probably more scared than McCall. Yeah, because a lot of people thought that he was, like, doing it strategically and was just going to wind up and hit him when he gets relaxed. And Lewis in that situation, we know what he's thinking about. He's thinking, oh, man, I'm losing my belt to this guy again if I I throw this punch. Yeah. Because he's countering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why Lennox Lewis didn't throw those punches. Right, right. Lennox Lewis would have knew what was going on earlier or during the fight instead of after he would have punched he would have killed the guy the guy would have died yeah that's freaking he would have kept punching and punching and punching if he would have known that the that McCall wasn't going to fight back it would have just been a punching bag it would have been a workout for him is all it would have been heavy bag work yeah Yeah. he would have he would have he would have probably killed the guy not even kidding he literally probably would have killed Oliver McCall if uh, he knew what was going on that's so nuts. All right. Well, I got to move on to like my next little segment. So I'll give you a call back after I finish up, Pat. But thank you right. for having me. Or yeah. for, or thank you for joining me, I should say. Thanks for having me. And I hope you have a good rest of the day. All right. Love you. Good, Love you, bud. Keep fighting. <laughs> you too. See ya. <laughs> All right. So that was Patrick Rowe, uh, my best friend. You know, everybody knows Patrick Rowe from back home if you're not from back there. Uh, basically, one of the nicest guys you can ever meet. His dad is probably the nicest guy you can ever meet. They run a little small bar in Glendive. That's what he was doing. 
he was working, but he said he could make some time for me because that's just the people they are. They'll stop whatever they're doing just for you. But um, so anyways, uh, switching lanes back over the tennis uh, talk I was going with. Martina Hingis and Steffi Graf in the 1999 uh, French Open final at Roland Garros. There is a ball call. Uh, so Hingis wins the first set 6-4 and is up 2-0, which means she is up a break, which means all she has to do is win her serve whenever she serves, and she will win the match. Um, basically at their level of tennis, this match just had a little bit of time left. She was controlling it, the match, everything. It was already up a break. She should have been the champion, the uh, Grand Slam champ. So uh, she hits a ball, second set, second game, or third game, sorry. She's returning serve. And uh, she hits a ball to the deep line. Rip, it should have been, or it, it wouldn't have been a winner, but it was a good return deep, and the ball lands inside the line, and it's on clay because of the French Open. Ball leaves a mark, but they call it out, and then the you can challenge the call, and the head lineman can go find the mark because the marks are pretty relevant. You can usually, they should almost always, always, always find them, but it hits the ball, or the umpires come down. They can't find the ball mark. They call it out. And she just goes like nuts because, and she, and the ball is in, but she's in a comfortable place. It's really like she loses this point. It's not a big deal. It's not like a big moment changing call or anything. Like it's, it's, it, it really doesn't matter if she loses this point. She's in perfect shape still. But she freaks out, just throws a big fit, sits down, waits for like the main tournament director to come out. All this causes this big scene. And suddenly the crowd flips switches. They all love uh, Steffi Graf now. They all boo um, Martina. They boo her every time she's serving, returning, anything. Eventually, Steffi Graf turns around wins wins this whole match with the crowd on her side and wins the French Open final. Because of this giant meltdown in the middle of the match, and by by Hingis. And it was really just absurd and not it just not called for, you know, like it shouldn't have happened. But it, it kinda goes back to the Borg versus McEnroe movie I had talked about in the first podcast. Um, I think I talked about it on the first podcast, but basically it talks about the whole buildup of everything and how it's never just one thing that causes you to flip out. Like it's a buildup of everything. Like Patrick said earlier, what I said earlier, it's a snowball of different things that build up and eventually you just, you just snap. Yeah. Boom. You're gone and everything comes crashing down and that's when you lose everything. You, you go from the peak of your career to the, to the pits, you know, like it, it can, you can rise and fall so fast in this world. You can be forgotten about in a minute. You say the wrong thing. You can be 
the talk of everything. If you say something wrong, you know, everything. There's media around everything in today's world. Even back then, there was so much media. But there's way, 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 way more now, just 20 years later. And that's nuts. And so you really have to kind of be on your toes at all times. Be careful about really anything you do. Which kind of sucks, but, you know, it's kind of the world we live in. Everyone kind of wants a piece of everyone's mind. Everyone wants to be involved with everybody else's life type deal. But we have just a few more seconds left on this podcast. Um, I forgot to thank my sponsors at the beginning of this podcast. Thank you again to Boss Office Products in Glendale, Sydney, Miles City, um, Eastern Montana areas. I'm not sure what other city towns are in. But they're the best Tiger Mary Ann Vester. Uh, such nice people. I just talked to Brett the other day, their son. Uh, hopefully we get back on the 2K grind. But uh, just thank you to them for my only sponsorship. Thank you to you guys for listening. And just trying to be mentally tough out there. Trying to find the odds. Stick up for yourself. Make Be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Start trying new things, meeting new people, making people's day, and making your life great. Thank you, and peace out.